Thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network, where always the goal, every single business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome, right? And the purpose of the podcast is to be more candid and to give you more information that you cannot get anywhere else. So I always say the purpose of the podcast for me is for me to make money. Right? We're not like these athletes who get a $50 million deal and they say, oh, I'm not here for the money. I'm here for the people. Right? And they get disappointed, like Trevor Bauer, free agent signing of the Dodgers. He won't sign autographs and everybody's mad. If he would have said from the beginning, I'm not going to sign any of your autographs. I'm here for the $50 million. Like he says about women, right? He says he only wants to have sex with women. He does not want a relationship, nothing. It's just purely carnal. He's being honest there. And that's what this podcast is about throughout honesty, right? And what's the outcome? The outcome is 500% ROI. If you listen to the NFL betting, uh, college basketball, more on that. Uh, we've had Graham Honecker from the gifts department of Butler gave us great insight into why you should charge your clients triple, right? Because there's so much money out there. And if you know how to provide value, uh, Butler basketball has increased his advertising value by $1.9 billion, right? And you say, well, I haven't heard of Butler Basketball. That's the point. <laughs> you haven't heard of them, and they're worth $1.9 billion with a B. And uh, Gonzaga has $2.3 billion in, um, in their endowment. So there's a, a, a lot of abundance out there. And if you are the smartest, toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And I've been fortunate, lucky, and good now that we have John Hansen, Army veteran. He's an entrepreneur. And I'm really excited for the reveal we got today because he takes concepts that we've heard before and he puts his experience and his education, he puts his twist in it. And it's something you have not heard before. I encourage you to listen to the Motivational Monday he had in the last podcast we had for insights that's going to provide you. The outcome is it's going to give you energy, value that you in the richest country in the history of mankind can monetize it for God knows how much money. So that, that's the outcome. So we got a purpose and an outcome. Thank you for joining us, John Hansen. My pleasure. I'll tell you, you know you're having a great conversation when the time just flies, Josh, <laughs> and, and our conversations man, it's like, where did the time go? So I always look forward to our conversations. You uh, bring so many ideas to my mind. Uh, and in, anytime I get to share this stuff, I get just as excited about it as I hope the people listening. So thanks again for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, hope is not a strategy. And it's, we, we do it, man. And we had great reactions from people on Twitter. Kind of, it's the inside, right? And again, you know, it's always better to be lucky than good. We're fortunate that we're in the richest country in the world. We just got $7 trillion stimulus. You want to put $7 trillion more stimulus in, but that's not the point. The point is that we are in a $26 trillion housing market. We're in a $16 trillion stock market. And the whole of that is $50 trillion. And because of John's work in the military, and people like John's work in the military. Our banking system is the most secure banking system in the world. What does that mean? 
means that hardcore Chinese Communist Party members from the military, once they get a little extra money, they take it out of the Chinese bank, they put it in an American bank, they buy an American house. That's why deficits for right now do not matter because there's always fresh cash coming in, not only from China, but from Russia, all of our enemies, all of our hardcore enemies can't trust the banking system as much as they can trust the American banking system. So in the Kremlin, whenever there's a really good attack and they're really gonna hurt the USA, there's another guy in the Trillium saying, hey, no, I got $5 million in the US. You can't, they're more patriots than some people that live here, Josh. <laughs> So that's why this is huge. Whoever we reach and whoever can monetize is a huge thing for us in a lot of different ways you can't imagine. Now, uh, you can't hit a target, right? You can't see. And John's going to talk. First, we're going to start off with goal setting and, and smart goals. What, what's the angle? What's the twist you have for us today? I'm excited about But uh, goal setting. Yeah, well... You, without knowing it, Josh, you hit the nail on the head twice. You've given me these tremendous segues, and I didn't even, I just gave you an outline. So, you know, you can't hit what you can't see. Right. Um, that, that's the very first part of goal setting. There is actually a way to do it better, and they've proven it statistically. So, let me give you three ways to do goal setting better. So, the way you do goal setting better, I actually give you five. The first one is that you've got to be specific meaning that I'd like to be rich someday is not specific. You need to be specific of how rich. Somebody's saying, I'd love to have a car someday. That's not specific enough. You need to a car make, model, year, color, exterior, interior, extras, all that. Better yet, put a picture of it on your goal board because a University of Kansas study proved if you can see it, you're 30% more likely to achieve it. So pictures are great if it's an item, if it's a, if it's a goal that's a task oriented or an accomplishment, then write it down. Your subconscious is a human supercomputer that is just aching to be put to work. So whether we know it or not, our conscious part of our brain is working, hopefully for most of us, pretty well. But the biggest part of our brain that we're not tapping into is the subconscious piece that's working. So in the background, if you've got a picture of something you're working towards, every time your brain sees that, it's a reminder, oh, we need to keep working for that. Anytime you write down this goal that you have, that's a number, a financial number or an achievement or a milestone, your brain is like, oh, we need to work on that because everything our eyes see, our brains are processing. So I make sure that my desk has space so it's not totally covered. So it's got space. So defrag your mind, defrag your workspace. Because just like computers, you can get bogged down with too much stuff. Don't have too many reminders. Have a handful. But the ones you really want to follow, they need to be specific and they need to be written down. Post them somewhere where you see them every day. Better yet, keep reminding yourself of them consciously as well as all the unconscious, subconscious reminders. So that's the first one. you got to be specific. The second one is measurable. You just touched on this, Josh. You can't hit what you can't see. Well, you can't improve what you don't measure. So if it's not measurable, then it's still a wish, still a fantasy. Measurable meaning, okay, I thought you just said specific. Well, how is measurable different? 
Well, you've got to be able to measure if you're making progress towards it. So you need to break down your goal into some kind of milestones. We as humans need encouragement. We need validation. So if you don't have any indication that you're making progress, you can't say, I'm going to be a billionaire next year and then, or 10 years, say 20 years, the longer term out your goal is, the more you've got to put milestones so that you're measuring your progress towards that. Day to day, you won't notice it, just like your kids start off and then all of a sudden they're like driving and graduating and six foot tall. Well, when did that happen? Well, over every day for all those years. So if you take look back at their toddler pictures, that's what you're doing for your goals. You're looking back when you first set the goal and say, where am I compared to when I started? And you've got to have milestones to measure the progress, measurable. Third okay. one is A. You've got to be able to, I like, like uh, Jim Collins calls them, big, hairy, audacious goals. Now, for some, this doesn't work. Like my wife is, is more of a realist. I'm more of a positive thinker. So for me, it's got to be audacious. If it doesn't stretch me, if it doesn't push me, if it doesn't seem like that's just not realistic, John, those are the kinds of goals I need. So I have a goal where well, I want. We'll go back to words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you start talking about goals. Yeah, yeah. What hits me is this independently, I had a restaurant. It started for $8,000, sold it for $600,000 five years later. Mm. Lessons along the way, the billionaires who came in here, when mm -hmm. part of knowledge uh, is immeasurable, really what I was able to learn and what they were willing to share. Yeah, and that nonverbal communication because a lot of these times, especially Malcolm Glazier, who ended up being the owner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm. he owned the franchise Callahan's, and he was a slumlord with mm. trailer parks in Buffalo, New York. That's how he got his money. Mm. You know, he'd come into the restaurant and say, "Hey, you need to count." Didn't say hi. How's it going? How you doing? Nothing. <laughs> Hey, over here, you look like the owner here. Hey, uh, you need to count every spoon and every fork and every napkin in this place. You know, what was he saying? He was saying about you have to track and measure everything. Mm -hmm. I'll put a link to it, which we use in sports betting. And I'm going to use now for the NBA playoffs to make money. And it's the Hawthorne effect. Whatever you track and measure. It's a law now. It used to be a theory. Now it's a law. Whatever you track and measure, you improve its performance mm. by 10 to 20 percent mm. right that's how i'm the hero at all the companies i do business concierge with because first i go in and i say charge triple next thing you know boom measure everything Me or if you are measuring measuring better boom i'm the hero i've just made whatever company anywhere a lot of money because this is the richest country in the world where you can do just simple tweaks like that and increase free cash flow and profit, which we know is important. So independently car dealer walks in and man, I got so many nuggets of wisdom from him. He walks in with a uh, Confederate flag belt buckle, older white gentleman with a beard, had hat on, this is a Cuban restaurant. And some people were like, you know, Puerto Ricans from New York, hey, because it, it, we're going to talk maybe on, the, on another podcast. We're going to talk about customers, right? Because I was very good at the restaurant. I got good at throwing people out, people that I knew weren't going to be valuable to the restaurant, right? We're going to fit what I know now as a value equation. I used to kick them out 
right? Because there would be more trouble than sports. They're like, oh, kick this racist guy out, da 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 da. And that was my first knee jerk incl- inclination, right? Boom, get out of here. But I said, hey, we need evidence, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. And man, did I get nuggets of wisdom from him, right? He was, he owned five car dealerships, independently wealthy in his mid forties. When I met him, he was about 52, 53, relaxed and have a care in the world. He would pay triple for everything and then tip everybody in there a hundred bucks. And this is $2,001. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Hundred dollars to every single person. Suddenly, the people that wanted to throw him out because he was racist <laughs> loved it. Right? Yeah. He got more care and attention and love than anybody else because he was a regular. We homeless people. We gave food for free. We, you know, that we saw it on a regular basis. Got the same love and attention, right? And he was to say, "Hey, listen, assholes buy cars too." Right? Because <laughs> he saw, you know, the attitude, whatever. But to the goal setting part of it he used to start talking to me about business and i said well this is the goal he's like listen right southern and you can talk to this because it's appalachian kind of culture southern culture midwestern country culture vibe and this part of it i love right because it gets down because business is clarity getting to the root of it and providing free cash flow and profit and value, right? And he said, scrap the word goal. What are you going to do? So next time, instead of saying goal, say, this is what I'm going to do. So instead of goal setting, I would say, this is what I'm going to do setting. (laughs) And this is when I'm going to do it. (laughs) This is why I'm going to do it. If you can talk to that, and then two-part question. Second part question, which kind of bleeds into three Mm-hmm. is that you know religion aside yes let's say the religion i grew in god is a god of miracles right but i don't think 90 to 95 percent of the time it isn't a miracle oh that was unbelievable no it's believable right you can do it if you can like you're saying if you can see it then you can do it. If you can visualize it, you can do it. Now, the opposite is that it's true. Not everything you can put your mind to, you can do. I can't beat LeBron James playing basketball. Right? Right. Uh, I can't, right? Doing it uh, legally without kicking him or without doing some sort of cheating, (laughs) I can't beat him, right? Yeah. But if he hits my wife or something, I could beat him up with all my adrenaline and all this and that. And people are like, oh, I can't believe you beat up LeBron James. I believe it because I sucker punched him first. I had a good angle. I've been working out, so on and so forth. And there's in probability theory, there's a 20% luck factor, right? So you can stress yourself and you can do unbelievable things and create miracles, right? If you put yourself A, in a position where you can actually do it because you've measured it through your, uh, what am I what am I gonna do settings? <laughs> this is what I'm doing settings. This is what I'm gonna do settings, right? Mm-hmm. You measured it and boom, you did it. 
two, you put yourself in a position to get lucky. Yes. <laughs> to have some good fortune come in there, right? Uh, for me, I opened up the rest. Little did I know that on the way to the Yankees training would be um, George Steinbrenner would stop by. And he would go come in, right? And free business letting from the owner of the Yankees, right? The um, Friends Reunion or um, Steinfeld, right? George Steinbrenner was a big part of Steinfeld. Mm -hmm. So you can address those two questions, John. Yes. And you actually stole, so I'm going to jump to the last one. So I use SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Right. Uh, if I alliterate, I can remember the outline as I'm going through right. so I don't chase rabbits and lose track. Right. So let's jump to the last one, which is T, which is time stamped. If you're really going to be honest about this, if you're really going to be bold and take action, you've got to put a date. People are very hesitant to do this because, well, what if, what if I get to that date and, and I haven't made it? Well, again, we're talking about audacious goals. If you set a date and you make it, the goal probably wasn't audacious enough or you had enough of a huge luck factor you didn't put into the equation that you couldn't put into the equation that got you there way faster. So timestamp it. It will give you some accountability and give you additional drive if you're an audacious goal setter. If you're one that's like, let me set goals that stretch me a little bit, but I still think I can make it. Well, in that case, still timestamp it. Just make it more likely for you to achieve if it's gonna break your heart if you don't get there. So depending on your personality, timestamp it. But let me go back to R, because you set it up perfectly, Josh, again, not knowing this. Right next step, right next step. What's your next best step to get there? Because you're right. You can write all these fantastic goals. You can put them on the wall. Heck, you could wallpaper your office in pictures and slogans and stuff. But if you're not taking action towards that analysis paralysis thing where I'm going to study out all the best possible, you'll never be done researching the best possible options because we are the most prosperous country in the world and because we have access to now the entire world literally at our fingertips you will never run out of resources you can research forget about it talk to somebody do your own research but talk to someone you trust who has no skin in the game and say am i on the right track is this doable is there anything you would caution that you suggest i do first or something i shouldn't do and avoid once they say, yep, that sounds like a good idea to me. Let me talk to a couple of people I know. And you get the green light, hit the gas pedal. Take right. your next best step of action. Because if you don't, it's just another cute motto on the wall. It won't get you where you want to go. You mentioned about preparation for opportunity. People talk about luck. But as I've studied into the people who are highly successful, it's not like all of a sudden they became highly successful. It's just all of a sudden their success became known. If you look at their path, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Michael Phelps in business, you know, people, Jeff Bezos, look at anybody in business or sports, in Hollywood, television, that got big, that never happens overnight. Never, 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 never right. happens overnight. All of a sudden, there's a big awareness of who they are overnight. But for years, they slogged away. Oprah was told she wouldn't make it in television. Michael Jordan was cut from his basketball team. Jeff Bezos, if you look at pictures of what his office was at the start of things at Amazon in the 90s, you would never guess that it's what it is today. Don't look at where it starts and don't do the same for yourself. Instead, position yourself. You're talking about that 20% of luck that's built into probability. Well, it's interesting. I did a word study on the word opportunity. Fascinating when I studied this out, Josh. 
So it comes from back in like the 16, 1700s when you had sailing ships. Port, if you break down the word, port is just that. It's a port. Uh, where you're going to, your destination. But the tune was the part that's most important here, not the port. Destinations are good. You want to have something you're heading to. Tune meant to adjust your sails in the direction so that you can get to the port of choice. So the people that are preparing for opportunity are literally knowing the destination where they want to go and adjusting the sails of their life so that they can get to that when that wind of fortune hits their sails. So these people that are seem to be always lucky in the right time at the right place, connecting with the right people, it's nonsense if you think that's just luck. What it really is, is it's smart, intelligent, hard work that's consistent, tuning their sails so when that wind hits, they're going closer to their goal. And it takes multiple times to get to their end goal. No one will tell you that all these one hit wonders, Josh, that's why they don't work because that's all they are. Luck hit them, but they didn't have anything that built up to that. Part of the process of preparing for opportunity is that trial and error. What doesn't work? What I won't do? Uh, who I should connect with? Who was a good connection? Who wasn't a good connection? All that is a learning process. And it's just more wind in your sails when you find the right people, the right opportunities, the right partnerships, successes, all those kind of get you. And here's the best part, Josh, most exciting part of all these goal settings. Talk to anybody highly successful. The 12th inch of their goal, meaning cross the finish line. All of them will tell you that that is the worst place to be if you stay there. John Maxwell said that the, the greatest danger is today's success. What got you there? Uh, won't get you there. What got us to this point will not continue to get us where we want to go. So when you talk to highly successful people, when they hit their goals, whenever that is, and it's usually way ahead of people that aren't goal setting and aren't goal getting intentionally, that's just the beginning of the next one they go after. They never stop setting and getting goals. Never. Yeah, I love the word opportunity. Once I learned what it meant, Right. It doesn't mean luck. It doesn't mean you just happen to come across something. You're actually taking action that gets you uh, the next chance to get that next wind of fortune that it's trial and error. But right now, now something that, that's been hitting me this week. Yeah. I was watching Kwame Brown, and there was, you know, everywhere where he's got revenge on people who framed his success right? Mm -hmm. uh, the way he attained his goals differently than what he would prefer. And he got revenge, for lack of a better word, everybody said, well, and I got to the root of a big mistake in business, right? Because in business, my wife was finally talking about it this week. After 18 years in marriage, what I've been telling her for 18 years, very successful psychotherapist. Mm. Business, she takes her real good Technique. She's the worst person to watch a movie with because <laughs> she knows exactly psychologically where yes. the writer is going, right? Because the writer's not a psychotherapist, <laughs> hasn't seen all these people. But that business is 60% psychotherapy. And uh, when you're, I call them, uh, you know, what are you going to do settings? You call them smart goals, goal setting, right? Which you have to do. You can't hit a target. You can't see. Right. Jimmy Carter, ex-president, had told me that not told me, but related in his book, 
a story, and now just a story from my mother, right? Hmm. My grandfather had a farm in Cuba. And when my mom was nine or 10 years old, out of all the siblings, even the ones that were older, he picked my mom to give her money, go to the suppliers, right? And buy the supplies and bring them back to the farm. That's where my mom learned how to negotiate. And she gave me all those business skills mm. to me. Jimmy Carter had the same story that he, as a young kid, dad picked him, even though he had older siblings, picked him to go from the farm to the suppliers, buy the supplies. Mm. And before they went, Jimmy Carter's dad and my grandfather said the same story. While you're going from the farm to the suppliers, don't talk to anybody. Right. And you as an entrepreneur, you know, discussing things with your wife, no one is going to believe your business plan or your business idea. A lot of people are going to think that your goal or what you're going to do is unrealistic. Hmm. Or I would say improbable. I would say, hey, you can't do that. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say based on my experience and my data is improbable, does not mean it's not gonna happen does not mean you'll get a hundred because really the success of the restaurant as much as success I, there was a huge luck factor involved <laughs> you know i learned from it see i had the success like you're saying i learned from it and i know that the success i had at the restaurant does not translate into my business concierge or my financial services firm however i could take elements from it and learn and kind of yeah. impart, or i I can be like I am an expert witness at San Diego court, specifically with the restaurant industry, right? I can translate, but you're right. Things change, things move, but and we can do a whole other podcast on this, but I want you to touch on this, that and you kind of hit it with some elements there. The worst thing you can do, in my opinion, one of the worst things, other than being a pedophile or committing murder, one of the worst things you can do in life, besides having guilt, is seek another person's approval. Mm. When you make these smart goals and when you decide what it is you're going to do and when you're going to do it and how you're going to do it and why you're going to do it, do not seek anyone's approval now you do seek advice you do seek expert advice yes but that's different you're right information before you make a decision it's common sense it's in that book decision yes. science that's used by fortune 15 companies but the most important part in that book is something you don't need a college degree for which is common sense right you get as much information as possible before making a decision but like you said have a timestamp on it have a deadline for that decision to be made. How do you feel about that? A approval seeking in that journey on the way to your goal. And don't talk to anybody from here to the supplier or from the supplier back to the farm. Yeah, we think that that's because they'll get distracted and not get the job done. But they wouldn't have picked a younger sibling if they had any doubts that you would be able to complete the job. As a matter of fact, they may have identified that this person is more responsible, and that could have been why they skipped the older siblings to get it done. And we see that often in history that it's not the oldest that, that are entrusted sometimes. Sometimes it's traditional that they're entrusted just out right. of habit. Right. Uh, so you're right. And there's a vast difference between advice and approval. 
when you're looking for approval. And I can see that in depending on who you were raised by and what your personality is. For me, people's approval was very important to me. It, it was so important to me that I adjusted myself based on what I thought would get the most approval from the people I was around. I was like Gumby. I was so flexible and I was, a, I was very intelligent. So I was able to adjust and adapt myself to fit what, whatever I thought would be, they would appreciate, they would enjoy because it was about really about their approval. Now I look and see that also the way I sought advice was exactly the same way. Rather than asking well-thought questions well-worded questions that showed I'd done research, all I was looking to do was doing it in a way that was flattery. I was approaching people I respected for their advice simply to impress them. Right. That was it. I wasn't asking well-worded questions. So the decisions I made coming out of those conversations were just as poor as they were going in because I wasn't actually engaging them for their wisdom or their advice. I was actually just going in to get approval. And so advice can be helpful depending on why you're going to get it. So I think you're spot on with that. And if you can identify your, your wife being a psychoanalysis, being able to analyze people's why they do things. If business being that, that 60% of things is again, and that's why books like Simon Sinek of Start With Why. You need to do that for yourself. Great exercise, probably another conversation. One of the coolest exercises that I've gone through for the workshops I've held, I just started doing this for myself and for workshops. You'll never guess. It came from the manufacturing world of all places. So I'm going to tease that. Don't right. have time to go into it, but we sure. need to touch on this because this is huge. This will help people that are like, I just can't get people to bite. I just can't get people interested. I guess can't seem to close. And I know I've got a good product or service. Why is that? Well, that's a great question. And I can give you an answer, but it will take way more than the time we have. Right. So I, I will, uh, we should talk about this next time, Josh, because this is so powerful. This will help people in their businesses, no matter what they are. And this will help them not just in business, you're trying to sell a product or a service. This will help you actually determine what's most important. If you're trying to get someone to sign off on a project, if you're an employee or a senior manager or something, and you always need somebody else to sign off on, on an idea, on a project of yours, I can help you with that. So. No, that's awesome. Going back. It triggered, like, you know, of course, we have the decision science, right? How you make a decision. Yep. And then predictably yep. rational. Mm. Yeah. You understand the 20% luck factor. And when you're in business long enough, you get to the point where you have the perfect product, you have the perfect solution for someone, right? Everything, the stars are aligned, right? And then you don't get the deal. It's no. And then you get referred to someone who's not in alignment, who's not maybe it's going to get a little bit of value what you're doing, and they wire you $75,000 in your bank before you've even met them, and you've already closed the deal because it's a, it's a referral, and they love you, they love the website, or they listen to a podcast, and they love <laughs> There's a balance. And people do not make decisions mm -hmm. rationally. And I can say that now. From a scientific level, I have an MBA, master's of business science, been in business forever. My wife's a psychotherapist. People do not make economic, social, or any. So once you know that, right, you kind of take the measure because 
really you have to pay attention while you're doing your what I'm going to do settings, right? John calls them goal settings. You have to, like you're saying, once you get your your why. Now, don't judge your why. It mm -hmm. could be your why could be anything. Mm -hmm. Almost like uh, the how to get rid of depression, right? Triggering events, key thoughts and beliefs. What is it that you believe? And then your feelings. Don't judge your feelings. You can do anything. All the holy books say you can feel whatever you want. Just don't act upon them. Don't act necessarily upon your hand. But you do have to feel angry. You have to acknowledge all uh, the yes. things going on. So your why might not be what you like your why to be, right? Now, we're doing a true crime horse racing podcast. Hmm. You know, we can't control the world. Now, me and the person on there, and I think John's the same way, you tell me, I don't do anything that's not immoral, unethical, or much less illegal. Mm -hmm. But it was eye-opening in this conservative, somewhat Christian environment that I lived in. When we were recalling a guy, a, a councilman that we recalled for being, you know, perverted and corrupt. We got him recalled. He lost 80 to 20. But going along, it was enlightening talking to people, right? Why God gave us two ears and one mouth. A lot of people said that 100% they would do something illegal, not illegal, but immoral and unethical, but they wouldn't do something illegal. Mm -hmm. And then you have folks that would do all three, but they said 100%, if I'm going to get a million dollars, that's what politicians are, I 100%, it's life-changing, 100% will do something illegal, not illegal, but immoral and unethical in a second. And a lot of people are like that. Us as business people, right, or people in society, we accept it, right? Because it isn't illegal. We can't report them to anyone. It's just unethical and immoral in our perception. So you get to perception. That's why you ask. When you're asking, you got to differentiate. All right, am I doing this for approval? Or am I asking advice to get a different perception of what's going on? Because all the holy books say, do not be wise in your own conceit. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. John, I need an extra pair of eyes on this. What is your perception of this, right? And you take in the information and you're as neutral as possible, right? Uh, I go into, and we'll close with this and we'll get your final thoughts. Uh, as a business concierge, and I don't say business consultant because 90% of business consultants have no idea what they're doing. Every single company that I go in, besides telling them to charge triple, right? Besides getting into how they're measuring, how they're tracking things for the Hawthorne effect to improve its performance, I say, all right, let me see the financials. Got NDAs, da da da. And I get the financials from CEOs. And I'm like, uh, and the CFOs, let me get the other set of books. And they're like, oh, we don't have another set of books. Oh, yes, you do. You have the tax ones, and then you have the real ones. Let me see the real ones. No, I don't have the. Yes, you do have the real one. Now, you want me to pull rank, do a forensic audit, because I have all the papers, and come here and um, image the hard drive and get them that way, or you can give it to them. All right, I'll give it to you. And it's 100% of the time. They're like, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. I'm not judging you. Right? What you did or didn't might or might not be legal. I, me personally, might see it as unethical, 
immoral is way out of balance because that's religion, right? We have the freedom of religion. You have the right to be immoral if you want to. And I have the right not to do business with you because just the way I am. What are your thoughts on that? And final thoughts as we close. Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. But yes. Um, so yes to what, John? So there are those are three different aspects of things. Gosh, that's a tough one. What I would say to you at the end of the day is, you know, if you're being true to yourself or not, right. if you're selling yourself out in any way, because you believe it will give you an advantage and get you towards your goal sooner, it's not worth it. You've already sold out yourself. yourself. And you have to be true to yourself. Um, and some people, if you talk to them, uh, they're all about themselves and that's how they've always been. You're not going to be able to get them to understand that they need to change um, or embrace other things that are healthy for them. If that's the way they've always been, you're not going to convince them otherwise. On the other hand, if you've got someone that, that's always thinking about others and they feel like, oh, maybe just this once. No, nope. When you're setting your goals, they have to be aligned with who you are. And, and if you don't trust yourself enough, to be honest with yourself, you've got problems where you need to go see Josh's wife because you've got issues bigger than I can do with goal setting. You've got to be true to yourself when you set these goals. And most importantly, when you pursue them, there are no shortcuts because if you do something that goes against what you believe is true, is best for you, is right for you, just to get to the end, there's hundreds of other end goals still to go. You're selling yourself out thinking that you'll get across this finish line sooner. And guess what happens? You stop believing in yourself and you become more of a shell than you ever realized because you sold yourself out. Now, how much, how many more times are you going to sell yourself out to get there? And you think faster, you've set the stage to not be yourself. You're becoming more and more of a shell and less and less who you really are. And that is never worth it. Yeah. I want to close with this though. As far as the why, and we'll get deeper into this and yeah. then the manufacturing one next time. Your why doesn't have to be conventional. Not at all. No. It, exactly. You're, so you can start off, right? Because this is a process and it's a great process to get yeah. to you. And then you impart it to everybody else, personal and business, right? Your particular why is like your thumbprint does not probably should not, but I'm not going to put that command on you, but most likely does not have to be conventional, does not have to be what everybody thinks, does mm -hmm. not have to be you approval seeking. It could be anything. And John and I, right, if we're working with you in a company or this or that, you don't even have to tell us. It could be your own personal inside your head why, and again, most likely shouldn't be what you started off with, and it should not be, right, uh, something that seeks a, another person approval or conventional in any way. Yes. Yep. As soon as you're assigning, as soon as you need someone else's approval, you've already assigned over to them ownership of your life, partial ownership. And the more you do that. Great way of putting that. Who owns your life? Exactly. Better be Great you. way of putting that. Better be you. That is awesome. Man, and we're so lucky fortunate and good to have john and we'll be back next month with another enlightening exciting money making right uh impartation of our process and the gifts our superpowers that we have 
and you always, I call it 12X, right? Because 10X might be uh, copyrighted. <laughs> but 12X, you always get more than you give. That's almost like a law. You give, you get 10 times mm. back in return. And like Sir Winston Churchill said, so you got to do the last trucks. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network. Yeah.